welcome to Pretty Good Business. Our guest today is Olivia Smith, founder of Olivia and Pearl. In this episode, we talk about following your passion, finding your purpose, and how the learning never stops. Hi, Olivia. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, Lesia? Yeah, I'm very well. So you have a, an amazing uh, jewelry brand. Can yeah. you tell us more about it? It's called Olivia and Pearl. I am Olivia, and <laughs> my product is the beautiful queen of all gemstones, pearls. In a nutshell, I would say that Olivia and Pearl is a we're a luxury jewelry brand. We offer affordable, sustainably sourced, really high quality contemporary pearl jewelry designed for a new generation of pearl lovers. And people always ask me, you know, why pearls? Uh, and I've always loved pearls since I was little. I was just obsessed with them, how they were formed in a seashell. And each one is so unique. And I remember my father would travel away on business trips and he'd return with pearls from Asia or India. And I collected them in this big box, which I still have today. So just always been really passionate about pearls um, and the magic behind them. Cut to 2016, I was shopping for pearl jewellery and I kind of looked around and I noticed that existing pearl jewellery was old-fashioned, quite dated designs, pricing was expensive, placing it outside the reach of, um, you know, myself, my friends, and it wasn't really marketed or appealing to, to younger generations. And 2016, pearls actually weren't a trend like they are now. So I, I set about researching the landscape and competitors and I identified what I thought was a gap in the market for affordable contemporary pearl jewellery. Um, I founded Olivia and Pearl in 2016, really with the aim of creating the go-to contemporary pearl jewellery brand in the world. So ridiculously ambitious, but, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, and we challenged the traditional marketplace by cutting out that middleman and sourcing directly from the pearl farms, building those um, relationships directly with those pearl farms. And it's always been my mission starting the brand, and it's our brand ambition, has been to reinvent the pearl into a modern-day icon. But in addition to that, growing up, I I love the ocean, I love animals, and I'm quite passionate about marine conservation. So on launching the brand, I really wanted to find a way through Olivia and Pearl to give back to the oceans and to nature. And um, I started working on the brand in 2016, launched December the 1st, 2017. And now we're kind of three years later and I'm, I'm here and I'm really proud that we are achieving most of what we set out to do, which is uh, which is really good. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Pearls are quite um, have kind of a, a connotation, don't they, of something that maybe your grandma used to wear, and uh, that were just for like very special occasions. Yeah. Um, and at some point, it was a, a little trend that was about um, river pearls that are a bit different, uh, but it was never really, it didn't really, you know, explode. No. Um, and that's so true like when I got married a couple of years ago one of my colleagues gave me a pair of pearl earrings that yeah. she got in Hong Kong and yeah. they were completely different from something that you would get um in a shop here yeah or you know in Europe and yeah she was saying that it's quite common it's like a very common thing to use to create jewelry and and yeah they just look very modern so how did you 
So where are your partners? How did you find them? And how did you really um, went and found the pearls that you were looking for? Like they're not, I mean, imagine not, a, you know, the round pearls that we're used to think about, but a bit modern. It was always really important for me to build relationships directly with the pearl farms. And, and like you just said, Asia, they love pearls in Asia. And the practices of uh, freshwater cultured pearls in Asia, that's where it was created. Mikimoto created the science behind creating these beautiful cultured pearls. And it's a very specific process and science behind it. Um, and we only work with freshwater cultured pearls. We don't take from the ocean beds. But to create these beautiful pearls with high luster, perfect shapes, the process is definitely manipulated by man in a way, but you absolutely have to have a pristine, natural environment. And that's what I love about the product, that it's natural. And, the, and, and it's really a creation of uh, natural beauty from nature. And that's why I decided to sort of concentrate on, on pearls as a product. Um, but as part of that, in terms of sourcing them, when I first started the business, one of the most important things for me was working out um, my supply chain and, and, and product. And I came up with the idea in 2016. And then I pretty much spent a year traveling to different pearl farms and jewelry, jewelry trade fairs across Asia. And it was really important that I met with the manufacturers, that I visited the pearl farms, so I could really ensure the quality, process, people, and environment. And at the same time, I was designing my product and um, building my, my brand. But, you know, that sourcing of the pearls and building those relationships with the pearl farms and my manufacturers di directly is very important to me. How many kind of pearls do you have? Because I personally just know two, but I'm not sure that's all. Because I've seen on your website, you have all sorts of like, they're very different from like every single design is quite different. And the pearls look very different. Yeah, so you have different, there's different shapes and there's different types and they're created in completely different ways and environments. Um, so we work with freshwater cultured pearls, mostly um, sort of AAA grade. There's a grading system like um, diamonds. I don't mm. know if you're aware of the GAI grading system. Um, so I'm trained in, in learning how to identify, you know, the quality of a, of a pearl. But we mostly work with sort of perfectly round pearls, mm. freshwater cultured pearls and also Akoya pearls. But then you've got button pearls, you've got Baroque pearls, you've got Keshi pearls, which... I really love and they're a very sort of distorted sort of abstract shape to mm -hmm. them um, and I really enjoy working with them because each one is so individual it's it's almost impossible to match them and uh, yeah you've got Tahitian pearls which come from Tahiti they're the have you seen the bluey sort of mm. um, high luster they kind of have like a petrol tone to them pinky yellow blue tones you've got south sea pearls which are a golden yellow you can find those off the the coast of china but also australia so you can go all over the world and find these different colors shapes of pearls mm. so it's it's never ending there are a lot <laughs> mm. it's interesting because i feel like we don't really know much about pearls or at least not as much as we know, you know, the com the common public, I would say, like, you know, yeah. someone that wants to buy jewellery. 
I feel like we we kind of know information about um, you know diamonds, or we know we can make them out of other things now. We can make them in labs. But yes. I don't think we know much about pearls, really. No, and I think that's um, this uh, this spring actually we're we're launching community and content hub and at the heart of that for me is going to be centered around that educational piece Mm. on um, sustainability the sourcing but also the different types colors locations Um, so I I think it's really important to take our consumer and customer on that journey of of learning about the product that they're buying into Mm. Um, so I'm really excited to to launch that content hub in, in May and sort of get that that going and of course you said that you've always been very passionate about pearls but what was the thing that really pushed you to start the business gosh well probably a lot of things my whole life (laughs) everything leads you to a moment doesn't it um I'm originally from Manchester when I was 18 I deferred my place at university and um, I wanted to come to London and just work I've had quite a varied career, but I started off in advertising, marketing luxury brands such as Heidi Klein, Harvey Nichols. Then in my early 20s, um, I decided to explore another passion um, from my youth, which was acting. Always wanted to be an actor, so I auditioned for drama schools and I moved to New York in 2003 and I studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts there. I worked as an actor for 10 years and then I came back to London and I met my um, wonderful husband, James, who's in the military. He's in the Royal Marines. And um, at this time, I kind of started to fall out of love with acting. I really wanted more control of my destiny and autonomy of my career. I didn't really want to work for people anymore. And I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, always known that I'd wanted to sort of start my own business at some point, but just wasn't sure what that was going to be. So 2014, I spent a few years coming up with all sorts of business ideas, some of which I would still love to launch if I ever have time in my life. But um, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to sell a product rather than a service and something tangible that I could touch and, and feel and that I was passionate about. So 2015-16, looked at the market and um, I just kept coming back to Pearls and and that gap in the market that I identified. And, you know, Pearls were really not a a trend at this point like they are now. And I remember telling people my idea and they thought I was crazy to start a jewellery brand that just focused on Pearls. Who's going to wear them? They're just for grandmas. But I I knew I had a good idea. So um, I quit my job, which was quite scary because I didn't have any income at the time. But thankfully, you know, my husband was really supportive. I got a dog, Monty, and I went walking every day. And I think this really just gave me the creative space and time that I needed to write my business plan and launch Olivia and Pearl. So it's kind of a process of probably 15 to 20 years that pushed me and led me to starting my business mm. so what would you say was the really first step you took what what was the process like once you decided for me the process was initially I think I identified I needed support and guidance with writing a business plan and forecasting and the financials you don't get taught this at school mm. um, which I think they should I think that's probably another problem absolutely 
I think it, it's really important to encourage young people and help them understand that they can be self-employed. They can be a business owner from, you know, a market store to a corner shop to launching your own pearl jewellery brand. But, um, but I felt like I needed some professional support. And, you know, I've got a great family. But I started to research startup schemes and I found out about the government-backed startup loan and mentor scheme. I'm not sure if you're mm-hmm. aware of it. And one of the delivery partners of the scheme was X-Forces. X-Forces is an organisation that really helps people within the military community moving into business and enterprise. And they had just launched this um, an initiative for spouses and partners. And I'm sure the listeners and you are aware that, you know, being married to someone in the military, it's it's really hard to maintain your career. So, you're, you know, you have to follow your husband around, you know, every two years. So having your own business and being self-employed really suits suits mm. um, people living this military life. And the team at X-Forces were brilliant. Um, they really got behind me, mentored me, in particular Ren Kapoor, and uh, they really mentored me through that planning process. So that was the first step, getting support, learning how to write a business plan and put it all together and and having that support throughout that process. And then once I'd really refined my business plan, the next step was sourcing the product and my supply chain. So, you know, I spent that year visiting different pearl farms and manufacturers at the same time, designing my product, working with a graphic designer to, to, to build the brand and the IP. And then I set this data of, right, we're going to launch on December the 1st, 2017. And everything was right up to the wire as it still is in uh, running a small business. We received the stock on the, I remember on the 28th of November, and my husband and I spent like three nights staying up till five o'clock, sorting it all out. Then we launched online on the 1st of December, drove into London, did my first pop-up event, and and that was it. So yeah, the first start of the process is definitely getting support and writing that business plan. Mm. Yes, yeah. I feel like business plan is is quite a scary word. You know, mm. it's like you think it's really complicated. I, I honestly, I think after even after looking at things, you know, and business plan from other people, I still think it's yeah. very complicated because you kind of have to really imagine what you would want for your business, and yeah. I feel like it's very, very hard to. It's kind of like you you want to be positive, but it's really hard to be positive when you just started. Yeah, it is. You've, you've got to. And I think that's why finding a mentor, someone that can help you, really helps. They encourage you and they help you envisage that vision for the future because that's mm-hmm. what you're doing. I mean, you haven't sold a thing and you're, you know, you're doing a forecast and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to make you know, £80,000 in the next year, you have no idea, but it's a really important part of starting up your own business, mm-hmm. building the foundations of what you could become. And I mean, now there are quite a lot of things that you can do. There are loads of online courses and yeah, Facebook is full of, you know, especially for women, I guess, groups that, you know, business yes. owners, they like come together. So it's really, it's really nice. To, like, it's a really nice atmosphere as well. Like, people really want to help each other. I feel like. Yeah, there's a great online community mm-hmm. around um, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and women in business. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What did you learn during the process of building a sustainable business? 
I don't think it, it just never stops. The learning never stops. It feels like I just started. I think it's, it's so easy to say, oh, right, okay, I've found my manufacturer and this, um, you know, you tick off the boxes and you use sustainability as a label and then you don't do any work on it. And I think that's a mistake. And you kind of, on a, on a month-to-month basis, especially for a growing business, you constantly have to reassess your supply chain and people working in that supply chain and the environment around it and how you can make it better. And that's really challenging for a small growing business because you simply don't have enough time. <laughs> so I guess what I've learned is that you're constantly learning. <laughs> that process does not and will ne- never stop. Probably. You just have to be open to the learning. Yeah, you do. And you know you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. And, you know, I think advice to other sort of business owners that are are thinking about um, starting up their own sustainable business. And um, I wish I had done was, I guess, look up to other businesses that you admire, that are doing the right things that you enjoy. Ask them questions, get in contact with the, you know, with the marketing department or the, the founder even. I think... You know, me now as an entrepreneur, I'd love to help people that are starting up a a sustainability business and sort of share the challenges and and, and help them in those processes. So, yeah, I think it's I think we all need to be we all need to talk about it and we need to be transparent about what's going on and not frightened to make mistakes. Mm. I think people think that probably you know they'd be scared of asking other business owners because they think oh they're not going to want to help me because it's kind of like a competition but it's not no it's not and definitely not they should not be scared I would be more than happy to sort of offer advice to and it's flattering as well Mm -hmm. that you know someone approaches you and wants your help yeah so I'd say don't be scared to to go and do that and I wish I had done that because I think it probably would have helped me Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like, you know, sometimes things seem really hard and then someone tells you how to do it and you're like, oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all right, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, we had a quite a challenging year. I imagine for a business owner is even more challenging. So how did you navigate this year? It's been very challenging, but with my team, mm. I kind of, we got together, we were agile, when COVID first hit in the first lockdown in March, um, I mean, I've never been through anything like this. I haven't been through a recession as a business mm-hmm. owner. I haven't really had much adversity like this in my life or uh, in my life as a business owner. So it was a shock. We made the decision just to pause everything for about three to four mm-hmm. weeks because I think it was just important just for everyone to look after themselves as well, the team and manage that kind of mental health um, aspects um, and stress levels. So we just paused, everyone spent time with their family. Um, I, in the background, I worked on, you know, how we were going to make this working from, how we're going to make it work working from home. Then we came back together and that pause was, was really good because it enabled us to reflect on what was going on in the world and helped us to to build a plan to move forward uh, for the rest of the year. And we used the time to kind of go back and look at the brand and reassess, like, what's important to us, what are our values, and define all of that. So we spent a lot of time 
on branding and values throughout the year. And we launched, when we relaunched our advertising campaigns, we wanted to launch with something that that was more meaningful and kind of relevant to the moment. So we launched our Stay Connected campaign where we gave back to um, 20% of sales to NHS charities together. Um, but something that our customers really enjoyed, with every purchase, you got to send a gift, a free gift from Olivia and Pearl. So these like little pearl stud earrings or a ring to a loved one of your choice that you couldn't see in lockdown. So it was it was sort of working on these projects and then the marine conservation project that we have just announced really got us through the mm. year. And so we pulled together as a team, we focused on the positives, we looked after each other and, you know, we've navigated it quite mm. well. I guess for a small business it's much easier to kind of try and find a balance because, well, first of all, you know all your um, employee by name probably yeah and you know it's it's more like a little family than being in a massive company and trying to get hold to somebody um yeah so what how do you feel like you know things gonna evolve now in the future it's hard to say it's really hard I feel like it's really hard to think about the future it is because I, I think you, you almost we've almost had to stop ourselves thinking about mm-hmm. the future because you drive yourself absolutely mad I, I yeah I, I try not to make plans <laughs> <laughs> the first lockdown was different I feel like yeah. the first lockdown we really thought that was going to be very like a short you know amount of time mm-hmm. I was convinced that after the summer we would be fine so I found it actually quite easy to kind of like make a like a mind you know a plan in my mind of what I was going to do like come September but now I find that it's extremely hard to organize anything in your head yeah and know what you're going to do in a week yeah so it's just focusing on the now Mm, and I think for me the, the business has been has almost been my therapy and it's got me through because I've just been able to to concentrate on that mm-hmm. you know we're very fortunate at Olivia and Pearl like you said we're a small business so we're able to adapt and be agile we're online you know I um you know I'm worried about what's going to happen to the the high street or the mm. the retail sector you know unfortunately a lot of businesses will go I hope that doesn't happen but I think you know the pandemic has accelerated trends, I think, you know, that move from the high street to online. But, you know, I think there are lots of positive things as well. Like, I think the pandemic has maybe brought back the importance of community, like even going to the pub, how much you enjoy going to the pub, because it's a a community experience. And I wonder if kind of, yes, we'll move away from the high street, these huge, big sort of corporate shops where you've got, you know, a shop in every single town, which we don't need. And there'll be a move more back to this, um, obviously online will dominate, but I think shopping experiences, retail experiences, small retail brands, pop-ups, spaces on the high street that are more fluid and changeable and agile Mm -hmm. I think that's exciting it's exciting for a brand like me um because we I can 
kind of envision how we will fit into that and how we'll run our our business moving forward. Mm. Yeah, I think I don't think the high street is going to die ever because people really like I personally really like to just go to a shop and have mm. a look around. Mm. Um, I think though probably I, I see less shops that only carry one brand surviving okay. and maybe more uh, interesting as you said like stores that have a high like have a really specific identity and where you can find things that maybe you you don't even know you know small brands so I hope that little concept store will survive yeah I think those those concept stores will thrive actually mm-hmm. that's what people will 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 look for it's an experience yes it's finding something new and unique is there a project or um, a product I guess for you as well or an achievement that you um you're the most proud of yeah I you know I mentioned that we're launching our community and content hub which project we've been working on all year we've just launched a new collection which uh, the once upon a pearl collection which celebrates the individuality of the pearl um, and along with this um, new collection, we announced our new marine conservation partnership. You know, I, I think I mentioned that I'm very passionate about the ocean. And um, sea turtles have always been one of my favourite animals. They are, you know, they're true fighters and all seven species are endangered at the moment. And only one in a thousand hatchlings makes it to full maturity. And I... I was lucky enough to travel to the Caribbean, um, Barbados, and last year and see a leatherback sea turtle carefully sort of laying her eggs on the beach. We watched from afar to, to not disturb them. And I also witnessed a number of hatchlings uh, on the beach where we were staying. And I was just completely captivated by the island spirit of Barbados that have mobilised an army of volunteers to track and protect the many turtle nests and hatchings that sort of appear on the beautiful beaches um, every year. I think the season is, I think it's June to October. So it's a real community project that the whole nation has got behind. And I just fell in love with it. And I have been looking for a marine conservation charity to support the last two years. And I felt like I had this real experience and so we have announced and we're supporting the Barbados Sea Turtle Project. Moving forward, we'll donate 2% of all of our sales to, to this charity and this cause. So it's something that I'm really proud of and um, excited to see how we can help them. So how do you, because now, you know, especially during the pandemic, I feel like there are actually loads of businesses that have been launched. Yes. So many, um, which yeah. is great to see. Um, how do you find new ideas and keep your business fresh and competitive in a market that is really flourishing because yes jewelry is um no one has wanted to buy it well not no one but you know people haven't bought fashion but they've certainly been wearing jewelry you know I've heard that apparently people have been buying especially earrings because of zoom meetings yeah your zoom look (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) My dream look is I I love a, a turtleneck actually. It's just cheek, simple, and then big statements, um, earrings. Yeah, so you're you're a representative of the of of the trend. Clearly, uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought it was really funny when I when I heard that. I was like, 
apparently the, the you know there was the lipstick effect before yes. uh, when we when we're a bit sad then we just buy a, lip, a very fancy lipstick because we can afford that even if it's a very fancy yeah. brand and apparently now is the earring effect it is and also something else that I found um over Christmas really helped me feel good I would wear a pair of heels in the house which my husband thought was absolutely ridiculous <laughs> it made me feel for a moment that I don't know that you were dressed up that you mm. were these kind of important sort of self-care little things that that you do are, are important to me that's so true I've been blow drying my hair a lot more actually oh since we've been in lockdown than I have ever done in the last 10 years <laughs> yeah. just because it makes me feel like yeah I'm going somewhere even if I'm not yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's totally true so how do you manage to kind of like find new ideas and like send you know send your message across um well I think for me how I stay inspired actually is by taking a break I'm always my most creative when um I'm in nature I read a lot I'm obsessed with biographies and documentaries um I just watched a documentary about Rolf Lauren and how he built his business so inspiring and you know incredible so I like to read and, and watch a lot of uh, documentaries but then I think how do you sort of stay how do we remain competitive I think for us we we're the pearl specialist mm -hmm. there are a lot of brands out there jewelry brand demi fine jewelry brands at the moment but it's really important for me that that we own that, you know, in the educational piece that I talked about, mm -hmm. the sourcing, the quality, the craftsmanship, design, and, and strong values around sustainability in the environment, I really hope will continue to set us apart within the demi-fine jewellery sector. Um, and I think it's our vision, my vision for the future, combined with technology. I love technology and finding new technologies to, to help build the business online and offline and connect with our customer in, in new ways. And then the team around it, we've got a brilliant, wonderful team who I, I love. I think all of these things will help us to remain, you know, a leader, become a leader and, and remain a leader in this sector around pearls. Yeah. I guess you're very, you have a very specific um, niche. So yes. So you already told us what would be your advice for a business owner, but is there a mistake that you made that taught you an important lesson? I think it's it's still one that I'm learning. <laughs> and it's when I haven't trusted my gut instinct. Mm. And I don't know whether that's a little bit of imposter syndrome because you're suddenly in the business world and as you're growing a business, you have to collaborate and partner with experts from different areas of the business world, you know, at quite a high level. And it's, it can be overwhelming. And I think it is really incredibly important to be open to new and, and different ideas on your business and strategy. But you've really got to be careful with people taking over your vision or talking you into something that you're mm. not comfortable with. So it's where I haven't done that. It's you need to take time making big decisions. You have to let it sit with you. And if you have that niggly feeling that it's not right, just really trust your gut and go with what feels good. Mm -hmm. I can't stress that, you know, I've made some some mistakes where I haven't trusted my gut and um, 
but I guess it's you know important lesson I know that now mm-hmm. so yeah I, I guess it's very hard to um try to you know sometimes we're just trying to do the we just want to do the thing that we think is right because yes. it seems like the most logic thing to do and of course if you have people around that have done this before you tend to trust yeah. them more than yourself yes. um and I guess it's, it's in everything in life even in like you know when 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 you're working for somebody I guess you have to make a big mistake once and to tell yourself no actually what I think is what I should do you know what I think is more yeah. important especially when it's your own brand you want to mm-hmm. definitely do what you want to do you do Amazing. Thank you so much. Can you tell us where we can find your brand, uh, you know, Instagram and all the things? Yes. So you can find Olivia and Pearl at oliviaandandpearl.com and uh, follow us on Instagram at Olivia and Pearl. Amazing. Thank you so much again. Wonderful. It's lovely to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you. That was our interview with Olivia. Thank you so much for listening and thanks to Olivia for her time. If you like this episode, please rate us and subscribe. It really helps. You can visit our website and follow us on Instagram at prettyslow.life and prettyslowlife on all of the platforms. Thank you and goodbye.